0: This is episode four of the Pickin' Pod podcast, alongside Evan Janikin, Alex Walls, I am Andrew Posadas, and let's just start right to it, guys. Some major news out of the NBA world, Sunday morning, Kobe Bryant, along with eight other people, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna Bryant, were in a tragic helicopter accident. Just unbelievable and just really surreal even after a few days just doesn't doesn't feel it feels like a nightmare and let's just start and I'll start with you Evan do you remember where you were Sunday morning and what your initial feelings were when you heard the news
1: yeah I mean I think just pretty much like anybody you hear the news you don't you don't believe it and you know they they all these are conflicting reports are coming out in the morning. You have TMZ saying, you know, he's passed away. He's passed away with Rick Fox, and all of these conflicting reports coming out. And it's one of those things where he's such a, you know, a larger-than-life kind of persona where I almost thought Kobe Bryant, and it sounds silly to say it, but he's one of those guys that you just think is going to be around forever. I mean, he's just, he's one of those guys that breeds that aura that's kind of like you just. You can't believe that he's dead. And like you said, even a few days later. And uh, obviously, that night I had the chance to go to the Knicks Nets game, and it was just the atmosphere was unbelievable. Uh, Alex, I don't know if you have any recollection of what happened with you that day.
2: Yeah, so I was actually here in studio, and we were in the middle of the men's game. And I get up, 30 seconds go by, I come back, and I get the notification that Kobe's dead. And I was on Twitter, so I was seeing this moment to moment and seeing how many reports came in, seeing the reactions, seeing. The shock and the disbelief and just the reactions from everybody on the internet. And then as the story kind of developed and we changed, and it was just this roller coaster of emotions from Kobe to hearing four daughters to hearing Rick Fox to just really not knowing anything about the situation. And like you said, it was disbelief, it was shock, and then as everything started to kind of take shape, it was just pure, pure sadness, honestly, because I, I was never really around, I guess, to watch a lot of Kobe play, but even I understand his impact on basketball and just seeing how the world kind of reacted to this definitely was something moving and I'm not going to forget it for for a very long time
1: yeah of course like our age group kind of caught more like his uh 24 stages I Mm -hmm. guess you can call it more the uh 2000 late 2000s runs so uh, obviously you talk about just impact you know in general on basketball and then to hear that his daughter went along with him is just it was just a complete blow to the chest I think for everybody that was following this
0: Yeah, Alex, you were here in studio, uh, me along with Emmanuel Barbari and Sam Basil, we were in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. and I remember it was about 40 minutes till tip-off, and I'm just refreshing my Twitter feed, and TMZ, that's the first thing that pops up, and I remember me, E-Man, and Sam just kind of saying, no, no way, it's TMZ. If if TMZ reported first, it it can't be true. And then not too much long afterwards, uh, Chris Hennessy, who was doing updates, Mm -hmm. confirmed it to us Mm -hmm. uh, through the tie line, and... Honestly, uh, Mike Breen had said something in that Knicks Nets game before it started, just saying, "I don't feel like broadcasting." And uh, I know Eman felt the same way, but we just didn't feel like broadcasting. Yeah. I, I just kind of wanted to walk up, go back to the team bus, and just kind of sit there and and ponder what just happened. And uh, man, it's it's something like they say, you know, uh, you know, the older generations will say, "Do you remember where JFK, where you were when JFK was assassinated, or Martin Luther King Jr.?" Uh, A little bit newer, the generations talk about Princess Diana and Michael Jackson, and this is is that same thing. Kobe was, as you mentioned, Evan, a larger-than-life figure, someone who took the success in basketball and transitioned, and transitioned beautifully because we see a lot of players, especially in the NFL, go broke. They had the 30-for-30 where the statistics were really just haunting on more than half of former athletes end up going broke. And for Kobe, it just seemed like he was in it, just won an Oscar last year and obviously created the Mamba Academy. And for Gigi, you know, better known as Mambacita, she was somebody who everyone said, hey, she's got that. She's got the bug that Kobe's got. She wants to be great. So to know that her, along with two of her other teammates, their lives are now unfulfilled, it it really just is haunting to think about. And I think for us, it kind of makes us question our own mortality where, you know, if Kobe can go you know, than any one of us at any given time, we can go. And and I think that's something that's hard to really fathom and comprehend.
1: Yeah, it absolutely gives you that added perspective. And even, you know, TNT and everybody has been doing these great, fantastic, fantastic tributes to him over the past week or so. Uh, TNT did pretty much a full hour segment of just people who are close to Kobe and even Shaquille O'Neal and just seeing him break down. I know it's hard for a lot of fans, but like you were talking about, Andrew, just Kobe... As a worker, you know, there's nobody that has ever worked like that man. And as somebody who's kind of an aspiring storyteller like Kobe became after, uh, you know, he retired, I think, you know, I've been looking up books that he used to read on storytelling and stuff. The guy won an Oscar a year after he retired. And if you watch that short film that he made, it was just – honestly like an ode to his life is it's so brilliantly done and to see all this stuff come out now obviously it's just it's it's really heartbreaking to know that obviously his life was cut short at least he had half a life I mean Gianna Gigi was just cut at age 13 which just you know that was really the final blow I think for everybody
2: yeah, and I think the point that you kind of bring up about at least he did live a life, you talk about what the guy accomplished in 41 years is amazing because I think for me when we talk about our experiences with Kobe, the first time I remember was the dunk contest back in like his first couple years yes. in the league. Yes. And he comes out, this young kid, a lot of style, comes out and wins the dunk contest. Then he goes along, starts building a championship team, wins a couple championships. Then he dominates the league. And you talk about it, it seems like every step that he took in his career he was always on top whether that was in his early years, in the middle, or as a mentor in his final years, as a parent or as a, as a player, and then at the Mamba Academy. So I think you just see kind of that progression, that maturity, that growth, and it gives you, I think, so much appreciation for what he accomplished on and off the court while he was here. And
0: you mentioned the mentor. We can put out the accolades, five-time NBA champion. He won three of those with Shaq back-to-back-to-back, two back to back. You know, two finals MVPs. He was the MVP for the 07-08 season, two gold medals, 18-time All-Star, I believe it's 13 or 14 first team all defensive. I mean, that's all there, but I think when you talk about mentoring, I think that is his biggest contribution to the game, just the fact that anytime time guys like Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook, James Harden, a lot of guys from the West Coast, but with just the NBA League as a whole, whenever they reached out to Kobe, Kobe was never hesitant to answer back and just bestow the knowledge in a game that he mastered mentally. And I think that's the one thing we'll take a look at because for Michael Jordan, he didn't really do that. Like, he did that for a couple of guys like Kobe. But it never felt like Michael wanted to teach the next generation. He was just there to win and mm-hmm. get his championship. But for Kobe, I think those last final years with the injuries, the team wasn't contending. He could have pouted and just said, you know what? I, I don't want to talk to the media. I don't want to talk to other players like the end of my career isn't going the way I thought. But instead, he became a little bit more lighthearted. You know, we saw him Mm -hmm. joke around more and and just be more playful and kind of understand, like, yeah, you know, this is the end of the road. And and while I'm here for these last couple years, I'm going to teach the next generation of guys who looked up to me and give them pointers. And now, just looking at his legacy, Evan, what will you remember the most about Kobe Bean Bryant?
1: Honestly, I, I think it's what you're talking about. I think it's the progression and the maturity that he displayed just later in his career. I mean, you talk about a guy who's probably one of the most controversial sports figures in yeah. history, in sports history. You talk about you know the rape allegations, you talk about being a quote-unquote bad teammate according to Phil Jackson and others. And then, on the other side, you talk about the NBA champion, the constant mentor, the father that we saw in his later years. And you just take that all together and what you get is just an unbelievably complex man, but somebody who, again, was able to mature and progress through all of that and come out better on the other side. And again, I think it's great that we were able to see him, you know, use those last years to be able to mentor his daughter and really take an active role in her life. And again, just imparting that onto the rest of the league and uh, his family as well was just a beautiful thing to see. So above all, I think I'll remember him as just a transcendent personality and just an unbelievable father figure and man overall.
2: And I would definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of, for me, just seeing last night or on Tuesday night, I should say, watching Inside the NBA, and you see the amount of people that he touched just in the game of basketball. You see, obviously, Shaquille O'Neal, very close relationship, but he was a champion of the women's game. With You could see Candace Parker was there. You know that he was um, impacted Jerry West incredibly. Even Reggie Miller, Kenny, uh, you know Charles, guys who didn't even play with him, maybe didn't even really spend a lot of time with him, they were still crying. They were still sad because they know how much he means to people. And I really like what Reggie Miller actually had to say, and I have the quote here. He says, you know, we have the videos, we have the pictures, and we have the memories because Kobe did so much, and he is going to leave so much here and that we should really take the time to, I think, appreciate a lot of what he gave us, a lot of what his daughter gave us in a short time, and a lot of what those others gave us. Because, you know, even though we might not have experienced Kobe, we might not have met him, we might not know him, you could clearly tell how much he did impact people. And I think that's going to live on for quite some time.
1: You even saw it with, like, the, um, with, I believe it was Ellie Duncan. Yes, from ESPN. From ESPN, yeah, yeah. starting kind of that uh, girl's dad, dad. I believe. Yeah, hashtag girl dad. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, just all of those things, just little stories. I mean, that's somebody who, you know, he met for maybe 20, yeah. 30 minutes in his yeah. life and he had that lasting of an impact. Yeah. He just, he breathed that aura that you don't get very often. One of those yeah. transcendent personalities that, uh, like I just said, you know, 20 minutes with him and that's one of your fondest memories in your lifetime. So I, I just that impact is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think the one person who I kind of feel almost the worst for is Shaq Mm -hmm. because and and now I kind of find solace into knowing that NBA TV brought them together for that hour-long special where they would sit down and kind of just hash things out and Shaq was able to tell him hey I'm sorry you know what I I was a jerk you know we should have stayed together and maybe we would have won a few more championships and I think had that not happened, I would have really, you know, I would have really been worried for Shaq. Just the fact that he couldn't get that closure with Kobe and, and Kyrie Irving from the Nets, another guy who, when he had originally found the news out that night, yeah, he left so, MSG yeah. and he he was adamant he wasn't going to play. And Kobe had gone on an interview and said that he felt closest to Kyrie, as it pertains to mentoring the next generation. So when you kind of just think of the impact that he had. And that Mamba mentality and everyone, you know, that Mamba mentality wasn't just for athletes. It, it's, mm-hmm. as he mentioned, it's for painters, it's for musicians, it's for journalists, it's for doctors, lawyers. It's all about being the best and putting in those extra hours because you know there's somebody out there who wants it just as badly as you do. And, and I mentioned that uh, I wrote a column yeah. for the Fordham Ram newspaper about Kobe, just a letter to him, and just mentioning the fact that, you know, for me... I wasn't, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and I probably should be the last guy to love Kobe because he just took my team out so many times. And Greg Popovich would just be sick to his stomach knowing that Shaq and Kobe stopped him from winning back to back championships in the early 2000s. But I loved watching Kobe. He was my favorite player to watch. And just that competitive drive and that nature and that not wanting to lose, I take that into what I do here in the radio and in journalism where I don't want to be outworked by anybody. I want to show everyone that I'm just as good as all my contemporaries. And I think that's the one thing we should continue to take from Kobe and move forward is that Mamba mentality. And we need to preserve that because that's something that future generations, that mindset of being the best and putting in the work and persevering, that's something that will last the test of time, in my opinion.
1: And and also just his flexibility. I mean, you talk about somebody who in, I believe it was in maybe the early 2010s, he had a, another controversy where he, I think he used a, um, a homophobic slur with yes. a referee. And after that, just instantly, he said, how can I make this better? How can I apologize the correct way? How can I work to work one work on myself and two, you know, teach the younger generation that this is not right. And how do I better myself and then in turn better the next generation? So just and again, being able to make amends with Shaq, he they talked about how they hadn't talked for pretty much years. And then at the NBA All-Star Game, He had, I believe, Kobe gave his MVP trophy to to his son, Sharif. To to Sharif, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, again, just being able to have an open mind and uh, along with that mama mentality, you know, being able to kind of shift your mentality with that, I think, was something that was one of Kobe's most enduring qualities and something that we should all take with us as well.
2: Yeah, and I think there is, uh, you know, when we talk about the tragedy, it's obviously you know very hard to get over but on the other sense there's this type of inspiration you can get out of this in a sense that you know I listening to the Shaq interview the other day you hear him just say how you know from this I'm realizing I need to talk to people more you know I need yeah. to talk to the guys on inside more we need to just you know cuz we might not always be there we need to appreciate those times that we get with those people so I think you talk about perspective and you talk about just kind of what Kobe did it just kind of sh- shows you that you do need to appreciate the moments that you have appreciate the people that you have you know look at what Kobe was doing he reached out to Sharif that morning just sending him a message just say how are you you yeah. know and Shaq would said he would do that every now and then and that's I think what we all need to do a little bit more of because yeah. this stuff like you say can happen to anybody you know and I think this really does open our eyes up and just say we should really appreciate yeah. each other and and take that moving forward
1: and it's such a shame that like sometimes these life lessons come in the form yeah. of like this time you know helicopter tragedy it just comes in these odd, odd forms. And again, like you do have to take the positives of it, but it really is such a shame that it has to come, you know, this way for everybody.
0: Yeah. yeah and Evan, you mentioned that rape allegation in Colorado. Yeah. And I know people, I, I saw a few articles mentioning that and saying, well, we can't forget that. But as I mentioned in my column for the Ford and Ram newspaper, was he perfect? No. But you show me anybody who's perfect, mm-hmm. And if we put the microscope on them, you will find imperfections. You will find flaws. You will find mistakes. And it's what you do after making those mistakes that really matters. And when you talk about what Kobe did to try and push women's sports, not just women's basketball in the WNBA, which I felt like he could have been the commissioner 20 years down the line, but the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, he embraced women's sport. He wanted it to be on the same platform and on the same level with the men. And you got to think of that. And when it comes to the Mamba Academy, he only coached his daughter's teams and teams consisted of young women. He didn't coach young men. So he was trying to give back to the game and and help the game of women's basketball catch up. And his voice was so prominent that obviously now the WNBA, they have a new CBA agreement. They're going to get paid more. And I think it's people like Kobe who really helped push the WNBA into a new CBA. And now it's just... You know, it's like you said, Evan, I thought Kobe was going to be our Bill Russell, that he was going to be there at 80, at 90, old, bald, next to Shaq. Like Shaq said, they'd be in a retirement home at 60, 70, just talking about the old times. And I felt like now it's, you know, we weren't done with Kobe. You know, we weren't done watching his post, and he wasn't done either. And it just, it really is devastating just to just discern that Kobe will no longer be with us and just the outpouring of, of people, especially yes. in Los Angeles. Yes. There are people outside of Staples every hour and at night even more people are there. And then around the world in Italy where he grew up and really just started to get the love of basketball. Yes. They they're taking the entire week to yes. mourn Kobe. So you can just see the global impact and I I mean I, I'll say this, I, I just don't I don't know if There is another death in sports that is going to hit this hard moving forward than the death of Kobe. I I can't really think of it just because, you know, Muhammad Ali, when he passed, you know, he had Mm -hmm. had Parkinson's. He was going through some health problems. Wilt Chamberlain was the same way back then. He had health problems. A lot of people thought Magic when he had announced he was HIV positive, that, you know, his life was going to be cut short. Obviously, he fought, and now he is healthy and, you know, moving around and, you know, a prominent member of the NBA community. But... I don't think, Evan, we will ever fully see another death like this from an athlete, just something that's just inexplicable and somebody of Kobe's magnitude.
1: And like you said, on on such a global scale, I mean, there are people in India mourning his death. There are people, as Mike Breen talked about in, in China, who, who the guy pulled over his taxi and cried because he met somebody that knew Kobe Bryant. I mean, these are things that you just don't see in the typical athlete death, just this global impact, even at the... Knicks-Nets game that day I mean for the whole first half I would say you couldn't even hear a pin drop and that was during possessions when you know the Knicks and Nets were both scoring it was just I've never seen a scene quite like it and really Andrew I I, I don't think that we'll ever see anything like that again I completely agree with you just awful
0: and uh, I want to ask both of you what will be your lasting memory of Kobe is there one in particular for me Obviously that game winning mid range jump shot against the Suns in two thousand six, I believe, where he just had his fist right there half court. I remember watching that and going outside and trying that mid range jump shot. And then another memory I don't know why I always think about it is the Matt Barnes, the yes. the ball fake from the inbounds and Kobe not flinching and seeing him not flinch, it's like, yeah, that's Kobe, like that's Mamba, exactly. like he's not flinching. Are you crazy? Like, no way. So you know, those are two memories that I think of right away, and I just want to get your—is there a memory that you just think of when you think of Kobe Bryant?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's probably recency bias. I would say his last game just really, you know, it, I do have recency bias there, but it, it it was such an incredible moment. And then I think—I can't remember the reporter, but it, I think it was at the All-Star game. He was playing with a bunch of youngins, and some guy asked, uh, hey, do you think— you were playing with all these young players during the All-Star game. Do you think that's a sign that you want more young players in your team? And Kobe's response to that was just incredible. I <laughs> you, you could look up the video. Oh, it was Jason with Jason Whitlock. that's yes. what it was. And uh, you know, I took th- that that was one of my favorite moments with Kobe, but for me, yeah, the 60-point, you know, last dance, I guess you could call it, was just incredible. Yeah, and I remember that game because, like I said, I hadn't watched a ton of Kobe, but just hearing that kind of story
2: progress, I was like, I have to put that game on and see what's going on. But I'm going to actually go to the All-Star game out in Toronto where you have that just iconic photo of LeBron facing up and guarding Kobe right there out in the perimeter. And the, I think, for me, that whole All-Star game in general out in Toronto, the amount of players, young and old, that kind of just gravitated to Kobe, wanted to learn from him, wanted to just play with him, wanted to give him that chance to succeed but also learn from him, I think that just embodies so much of what Kobe was, obviously, in the All-Star game for the player that he is, but also so much for what the mentor that he is. And Also talking about kind of what has happened after his death here, like the amount of, like you said, movements and stuff, and I think I was just watching the Celtics-Pelicans game a few days ago and just seeing, like, the 24-second violations, even though so many people have done that, I was started just getting a little watery just because there's something very special about that. And I think, you know, Kobe, we can remember so much of what he did through the way people are kind of reacting to it, and you can get a sense for really what he meant to people, and I think we could just look at a lot of these photos and kind of understand it just like that all-star one against LeBron.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, talked about, I alluded to the TNT thing before. I think that, that was another thing that was yes. just so therapeutic yes. to watch. I mean, Ernie Johnson, though he wasn't the one with all the stories, he did a fantastic job of giving voice to those players, to, uh, you know, former players and Jerry West and all of those people involved, even Candace Parker, like you were saying, was involved. It was just An incredible moment to watch that unfold and see everybody and how touched they were by just his presence.
0: Yeah, it's a devastating tragedy. And uh, now moving forward uh, today, there were some developing news about a new All-Star game format, which will pay tribute to Kobe Bryant. Uh, But besides that, it's a bit confusing. So I will try and break it down now. Uh, have it right here. Both, all, both teams will play for Chicago based community org- organizations first. That's good. And obviously, the winners of each will receive $100,000, and then a total of $300,000 will be donated to the charity for those three quarters. And what I mean for the first three quarters is the teams will compete in each of the first three quarters, all of which will start with a score of 0 0 and will be 12 minutes long. And at the start of the fourth quarter, Game clock will be turned off and a final target score will be set. Final target score will be determined by taking the leading team's cumulative score through three quarters and adding 24 points in honor of Kobe Bryant. So, for example, if after three quarters the score is 100 to 95, the final target score will be set at 124. So the team leading would need 24 and then the team who is losing would need whatever the case may be to catch up 29 and for that example so what do you guys think of what the nba has done to kind of just even though the scoring is a bit confusing (laughs) what do you guys (laughs) think of the tribute and do you think they should maybe even do more i mean i said uh the other day maybe one team wears all eight the other team wears all 24 what do you think about this new format and the tribute to kobe i mean yeah uh,
1: besides the fact that it just broke my brain completely i think, <laughs> I think it's i think it's great that they're doing you know s- something charity based something that kobe would have gotten behind and yeah i mean i could definitely see the eight and 24 thing transpiring i think th- there's a lot of ideas that you could play with here but uh, again above all it's a- it's about the players and um you know if the players feel that that's an avenue that they want to go down they should 100% do something tributary but i think that it's it's got, like i was just saying it's got to come from the players and i want you know them to be comfortable in whatever they decide yeah, so some of the
2: ideas I think we were tossed around yesterday or the, a couple of days ago was maybe making a purple and gold logo, maybe throwing an emblem on the court, maybe doing something like that. But I do I do like what you said there, Evan, that I do think you can do a lot of these superficial things, which are very good to keep Kobe's name in this game. But I think you're going to see a lot of players, I think, doing things to honor Kobe. We yeah. are probably going to see jerseys in a dunk contest. We're probably going to see things in the All-Star game. And that's absolutely warranted because Kobe, you no, know, he would have loved to see that. He would have loved to been there. And these guys, I think they understand what he meant to the All-Star game especially. He's always been one of the significant figures there.
1: Five MVPs.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, I do think the format, though, I actually do think I think it is a good idea. I do think yeah. it is going to add a little bit more competition to the game, seeing that we're now hitting the score. We're not just running up the numbers that we've seen every other year, But and I think to do it in Kobe's name is a great way of incorporating that.
0: Yeah, and I mean... The All-Star game, obviously we watch All-Star weekend, but the All-Star game, it's kind of lost its luster just because we know that both teams are going to go over 150 points and nobody takes it seriously until like the last two minutes, and that's only if the game is close. If the game isn't close, then everyone's just kind of going about their business and it turns into a little mini dunk contest and a one-on-one, let me cross you over and hit this three-point shot. And while that may be exciting to some, I think the majority would say that the All-Star game needs Something different to kind of just boost it and make it more competitive as it was in the 90s when Mm -hmm. you know Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, all these guys were there and they really did take it seriously because they wanted to show that hey, I'm better than that guy in the other conference, like he's not better than me. So, hopefully, this target score makes things a a bit better. And later tonight on TNT. We already have the all-star starters. They were announced last week, and I'll just go through them right now in the Eastern Conference. In the backcourt, Kemba Walker from the Celtics, Trey Young from the Hawks. Frontcourt, we have Pascal Siakam from Toronto, Joel Embiid from Philly, and then the leading vote-getter and captain, Giannis from obviously Milwaukee. And looking at the Western Conference, Luka Doncic, James Harden in the backcourt, and LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard, LeBron being the captain and top vote getter, fill out that all LA front court. Now, tonight, the reserves will be announced on TNT. And guys, do you expect? I mean, for me, I thought Jimmy Butler should be starting in the Eastern Conference. You know, and I have nothing against Pascal Siakam, but <laughs> he's going to be an all star regardless. And then again, I think the way that they're labeling guards and forwards, I think that kind of maybe took Jimmy out of the running, because he's been a guard for a majority of his career. So I will go with Evan first. Evan, do you expect any surprises or maybe any snubs in the reserves tonight?
1: I could see, personally, Carl Anthony Towns being a snub. I mean, if you go just off numbers, he's absolutely, he's probably a starter, but then you also take in the fact that he's probably missed almost 50% of the the Wolves games this year. I think he could be, I don't know if you call it surprising, but... Yeah, I'll I'll call it surprising, a surprising snub in the uh, Western Conference. And then, you know, there are some other guys, I mean, that I wish would get a nod, like Montrezl uh maybe even Russell Westbrook might get snubbed. But, yeah, there's a there's a few. Um, but, again, I'm just – it's a tough thing to predict, especially with the coach's vote.
2: Yeah, so I think for me I have to start with the starters because I am a Miami Heat fan. So uh, Jimmy Butler's been so important to the team. I don't just think from a statistical perspective when we talk about – A guy who's just embodied a culture, embodied just a team. I think Jimmy absolutely has to be there, but obviously, the like you said, the labeling positions didn't favor him there. But I also talk about Bam Adebayo. I think his development this year, year to year, very impressive. I mean, the ball handling, the ability to just drive to the basket. He's taking the ball up the court sometimes for a center. I don't have not seen that in a long time, so that's really good to see. And other than that, I think the reserves. You know, there's so many guys out there that you could throw into this reserve category, but. I think a few people that I really think should get in there. Brandon Ingram I think is a big one to talk about because the Pelicans obviously aren't as good this year as we might have expected, but his numbers are been tremendous this year. I think he should definitely be in there and uh, also Rudy Gobert is another one that we don't talk about enough for me. So I think those are two guys that personally I just think deserve that spot.
1: I'd love to see Sabonis get in there I too. Love He's too. oh my yes. god, Sabonis is so valuable to uh, the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly like I think Gobert should absolutely get the nod. I mean, especially with the coaches vote, I think coaches have a level of respect for him and even sometimes game have to, you know, game plan around Gobert to the point where I think he should be a lock for the West. But again, that could be another surprise where we don't see him get in. And then another guy you talk. I mean, there's so many. I think the West is loaded. Brandon Ingram. I mean, Nikola Jokic, these guys have to make it. And it's just going to be interesting to someone, see who gets left out. Of someone's going to get left Somebody's out. Somebody's going to get left out, and I think it might be Russ. I uh, really mm.
0: do. Listen, <laughs> I think this year's All Star just voting. I think it's set a precedent that records, winning records, don't matter because Trey yes. Young is starting, and the yes. Hawks are god awful. Yes. And so this is my fear: is that someone like Chris Middleton is going to get the nod because the Bucks have the best record yes. in the league, and mm. they're going to flip it and say, well, we have to give the Bucs somebody else. And don't get me wrong, Chris Middleton, he's averaging 20 points. He's shooting nearly 50%, but he's missed time. And if you compare him with somebody like a Bradley Beal, who Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. he's not on that Wizards team, that team might have three or four wins (laughs) this season. Bradley Beal is going out of his mind, he's averaging 28. And then another guy who I think can't get snubbed in the East is Zach Levine. He's averaging 25. Obviously the Bulls are... Like right there at the bottom, but still, it's in Chicago, Chicago, and you have to have somebody from the Bulls. I mean, it'd be different if nobody on Chicago was putting up numbers, but Zach Levine's been great. We don't know if he's going to be in the dunk contest or not. Aaron Gordon just announced today that he intends on committing, so he will join Derek Jones Jr. from Miami, from Alex's Derek, and also Dwight Howard from the Los Angeles Lakers, Mm. so it's now kind of like we're all waiting for Zach Levine, and we don't know if he's going to do it or not, but in my opinion, yeah, you want to give credit to the Bucks for having the best record. I think the Western Conference is pretty set, and you really can't argue against some of the guys just because, as you mentioned, Evan, incredibly loaded. But in the Eastern Conference, uh, nothing against Chris Middleton, but he shouldn't be an all-star. Guys like yeah. Bradley Beal and Zach Levine should get the nod, and even somebody like Sabonis, it, it, to me, it just feels like, The NBA is kind of like, all right, the starters, we don't care about winning records, but now, like, let's reward the teams who are winning. And if you're going to vote and go one way, you shouldn't flip-flop the other way once you go to the reserves. And I think the only team in the East that deserves two All-Stars is the Miami Heat because Mm -hmm. Bam Adebayo has been out of his mind. And he's probably right there or even neck-to-neck with Brandon Ingram for the leading guy and most improved player, the two of them right now, Mm -hmm. it's a toss-up. So I think the Heat should have two All-Stars and we will see, but just looking at All-Star Weekend as a whole is there anything that you're looking forward to the most Evan when we get to Chicago or obviously when the NBA we're not going I wish but <laughs> when we do get to All-Star Weekend is there anything that you're anticipating the most?
1: Yeah bef- I mean before I get to that I did want to shout out one more player in the West I mean I don't know what you guys think about Bojan Bogdanovic oh, <laughs> I think that's bogey? a guy that's, I, love I don't see him getting any calls for being an All-Star reserve and I want him to the guy's averaging I, 22 points I was going to mention him I'm not going to lie I was averaging thinking of 22 mentioning. points a game I think he's got like a sixty true shooting percentage. The guy's a beast, and the Jazz are a good team. But uh, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I think I think honestly, and you know, to go back to all the Kobe stuff, I'm really excited to see what the players have in store for you know to tribute such a legend. So, if I'm looking forward to anything, I'm probably going to be watching for that. If I'm being completely honest, I think for me, All Star Weekend is one of my favorite
2: things every year because I am a big NBA fan, but. We talk about how we don't spend enough time with each other. I think All-Star Weekend's a perfect time for that, where you see the best players in the league throw the competition away for a little while, just hang out on the court, on the sideline, with each other. And I think whether no matter what event that is, you really do get a feel of that camaraderie that the NBA is. You know, All these post players always talk about the NBA family and how... You know, we talk about how this tragedy and Kobe may bring everybody together even more. And I think All-Star Weekend is a perfect time to really see that and just the camaraderie that, and togetherness of the
0: league. Yeah, it will definitely be one of the more emotional, if not the most emotional All-Star Weekend of all time. But that will do it for us here on Episode 4 of Pick and Pod. Evan, Alex, appreciate you joining me on a very, very emotional episode. Catch us next week for Episode 5. This has been exclusively on WFUV 90.7 FM and WFUV Sports. R.I.P. Mambo, we miss you.